Hello and welcome to another mini-sode. Today we're talking about the importance of strategic planning, especially for rural hospitals, because as we all know, failure to plan is planning to fail. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. So, J.J., today we are talking about strategic planning, which sounds super boring, but if you're nerdy like we are, it's actually really interesting <laughs> and fascinating. But the, um, you know, the important thing is how necessary it is, especially for rural hospitals, to have a strategy. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, you can't cut your way to success and eventually you're going to hit bone. And when it comes to a rural hospital becoming more financially sustainable or going from financially unsustainable to sustainable, um, having a strategy and having a plan is really important. So as the president and chief executive officer of Hillsdale Hospital leading our strategic planning process, um, where do you start? When you started working on our new strategic plan, what was your you know, starting point and how did you determine where to go from there? Well, Rachel, I think it's worth noting that uh, if this is nerdy stuff, then I am the biggest nerd uh, in the country because I absolutely love this part of my job. I've, I've always loved it. I've loved it uh, in every career that I've ever uh, been part of, uh, and I just love planning. I love planning, uh, but what I love to see is the execution of the plan. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that today. But, you know, uh, there, there was a, a quote, a note that was uh, actually published in the Journal of Oncology Practice. And I'm going to read that uh, for our listeners today. It says, you may not be able to control the future, but strategic planning can create a direction for your practice and maximize your options for influencing your environment. And to me, that was a powerful statement. In fact, I've, I've included that statement. Uh, in mm-hmm. my strategic planning this year. Uh, strategic planning, obviously, in healthcare organization entails taking proactive steps towards a goal, not just addressing immediate problems as they arise. And sadly, Rachel, across every industry, it seems like we're always operating in this crisis mindset. It's like, all right, crisis number one happens, it's crisis du jour number two, number three, number four, number five, and we're always responding to the crisis. And that is not what strategic planning is. It's not looking, you know, at your organization and saying, all right, what are the the last three things that have really caused us a lot of time, effort, and energy? That's not what it's about at all. It's not just addressing the immediate problems as they arise. And and I think part of that for me, you know, you had asked me what went into this. Uh, obviously, being a visionary is so critically important. You know, I've often shared in speeches and and even even in this podcast before. Uh, one of my signature verses is where there is no vision, the people perish. And right. my job as a leader, Rachel, your job. Uh, as a leader, and you're going to talk about your plan, uh, is to cast a vision. We have to do it. Uh, If we don't establish a vision, then the organization has no direction. And so for me, that visionary leadership is so important. Now, there's another form of leadership that is counterproductive to visionary leadership, and that's what we would call reactionary leadership. And a lot of leaders— Across the country, and especially in healthcare, especially with what we experienced during the pandemic, we were reacting. You know, mm-hmm. no one saw the pandemic coming four years ago, right. uh, so it was it had to be reactionary at that so, so, at that point. But sometimes 
as leaders, we tend to focus in that crisis mindset, and then it becomes reactionary. In that respect, there is no growth. In that respect, it, there is no vision. And in that respect, your let's put the, the industry that we're talking about now, your hospital folds up, it dies. And so we also know getting into healthcare strategy and the development of that strategy is crucial to any hospital, health center, critical access, any of those organizations' future. And their success in their future is provided in the framework of these day-to-day decisions in alignment with the objectives that are outlined in a person's and an organization's strategic plan. And Mm -hmm. so without that vision in writing that guides the organization, then you're just kind of out there. And that type of leadership is reckless. It's dangerous. uh, And there is no place for it in healthcare, especially in the environment, Rachel, that we're living today. And you know what that environment is. The environment is obviously anything can change within a week in healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we know of hospitals that were closing profitable four months ago that just ended their last quarter uh, in significant losses. It doesn't take much or very Mm -hmm. long in our industry for the finances to flip for one bad outcome. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. you have a claim that is millions of dollars. You have a bad outcome. Um, And so this is this is an environment uh, where you have to make sure that there's alignment with the objectives. And in order to have that alignment, you've got to have a strategy. And that that strategy for me is something that I've always really looked at as the most critical piece for guiding the organization. So I've always been involved in developing strategic plans. Now, when I was in the school industry, I did that for schools. I did that for when I worked in county government. I did this when I uh, worked in in in, in healthcare. And in every field that I've ever worked in, I've always made sure that we had a strategic plan to guide us because it casts the vision, but it also establishes, all right, here's where we are. Here's where we're going. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I think, you know, for me, Rachel, you know, effective strategic planning, especially in healthcare uh, management, uh, it, it is essential to assisting hospitals, especially ours, in creating clarity and improving organizational communication. And that's so important, both inside and outside the organization. You cannot cast the vision and have a solid communication if you do not have a plan. And because I'm going to tell you right now, there's not, there is not a month that goes by that I do not walk the corridors and the hallways of our hospital and hear a staff member ask the question, JJ, are we going to close? JJ, are we going to be sold? JJ, are we affiliating with that big system down the road? And I have to have a a, a response. It can't just be, no, go away. It has to no, be. No, we're fine. Yeah, you yeah. can't do that. That's not reassuring. What's reassuring is that, no, 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 no. We have a beautiful strategic plan that outlines our growth. And here's the growth in five different areas that we're targeting. And then, you, and this is what I say, you have to have the ele- elevator pitch. I right. do that. Every day, whether it's the community, the media, or our staff, that I have my elevator pitch to talk about why we will thrive in this new market uh, of healthcare, and it's very it's it's transformed over even the last six months, Rachel. So for me, it was critical for casting the vision uh, to be a visionary leader, not reactionary, and to set the stage for where our hospital wants to be in the near future. 
So with that goal in mind, that overarching goal of the strategic plan in mind, um, how do you how do you start? Where, what are the elements of your strategic plan and your process? Obviously, we know there are a multitude of different ways to to do strategic planning, and different organizations do them in in different manners. Um, but for you, what what is your process, and what do you have to include in your strategic plan that works for you and for our organization? Well, Rachel, I think any plan, and specifically looking at. Hillsdale Hospital's plan, I truly feel that we have to inspire our employees, our managers, and our board members to be moved to action. I I truly do. Mm -hmm. I I believe that we have to inspire our staff to achieve more than they've ever thought possible, to reach for, you know, goals that they, we call them stretch goals that we never thought we could ever obtain, uh, and to truly, and you've heard me say it before, have a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. That is the premise to my Hillsdale Hospital strategic plan. And I believe it is the leader's responsibility. I know a lot of leaders who go, nope, strategic planning is not my wheelhouse. I'm going to leave that up to the board, senior managers, bring in some doctors. You can bring them in for the dialogue, but at the end of the day, it is the primary responsibility of the leader to cast that vision. So for me, it is, it's empowering, but I also empower you, and you know that, Rachel, as mm-hmm. a leader and an organizer of your own strategic plan, I empower you to have a growth mindset. You know, right now, and it's it's happening across the United States, we heard Scott Becker on the podcast before talk about the significant amount of closures of hospitals. And what happens is right before they close, something pivotal, pivotal happens. That is a situation where they look at, let's cut We have to cut. Mm -hmm. We have to cut. When you hear this and that hospitals are beginning to cut, you cannot and you will not cut your way to success. You can't. You have to grow. So a growth mindset allows us to look at things we've never looked at before. So, So my plan, I knew what I wanted to set out for in this strategic plan was to push our hospital, our staff, our board of trustees further than we've ever pushed before, but to look at those stretch goals and to say, you know what, what can we do to transform healthcare like it has never been before? And to really look at what types of services can we bring in to our hospital. Now, a lot of things are taking consideration, as you know. Our community health needs assessment is number one. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. are the goals and then in, uh, in the needs of our community? And the community health needs assessment is so critical in each community. And every, actually, Rachel, every hospital is required to do this. And so right. that is published and it's required to be published. Uh, and that is really, uh, when you look at what are the needs, th- these are organizations, individuals, non-hospital-affiliated organizations coming together in the community, and then surveys of the community. So we get the perspective of what is the consumer saying that they want. And so you take that uh, that needs assessment and you say, all right, where do I marriage this in now? Well, I have to marriage mm-hmm. it in with a strategic plan. Then you take the surveys of our staff who say, are they happy with their workplace? Are they receiving the education, the tools they need? That also folds up into it. Then you talk about Mm -hmm. board priorities and and what is the priorities of our board of trustees to see the growth of hustle. That folds up into it. And then the prerogatives, as it should be, of the CEO who is responsible for the day-to-day operations in, in consort with his leadership team, what are those objectives? That folds up into it. You take all of these things with a growth mindset, with transformational leadership, and a lot of servant leadership to say, how do we improve our community? 
How do we improve the health and wellness of the population we serve? How do we, how do we serve our employees and how do we improve the relationship we have with our employees? That's also part of the strategic plan. Many right. people get hung up, Rachel, that strategic plans is all just about growth, growth, growth of the market. It's mm-hmm. a component of it, but it's also should re- be reflective of the pillars that we talk about. It should be reflective of quality. What type mm-hmm. of services are we offering and what is the quality of that service? The people that we serve and the people that we employ. There are partners. Physicians, there are partners. What right. What is their unique needs? And so all of those things flow up into this. And it's really uh, I, addressing and identifying the high needs of the organization, um, putting performance metrics in place, and establishing a direction of where the organization should head. Now, please note, Rachel, and you know as well as anyone, that just because you put it on paper does not mean you're going to achieve it. Right. But you better be working hard to do it. And Mm -hmm. I think that is where a lot of things get lost in translation. I think what happens is the plans are developed and some of them well-intended and beautiful. I've seen beautiful strategic plans throughout my life. And unfortunately, they've never been executed. They sat on a shelf. Right. And, right. and that is very devastating. But I want you to know, and, I, and I'm going to, I promise I'll let you talk, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> that increasingly big and small health organizations, systems, hospitals, critical access, doesn't matter. They're having to recalibrate their healthcare strategies to suit the current market trends that we're seeing right now. And here's what's happening. Right. COVID has brought a new way of delivering healthcare services. It has. Mm-hmm. We do not see the pre-pandemic numbers that we had before in our emergency department. Um, home care has been impacted. Our skilled nursing facility has been impacted. Um, the way that we deliver services has truly been impacted. Some people, Rachel, mm-hmm. during the pandemic, learned to live without going to the doctor in emergency departments and getting routine testing. Now, that's not good that mm-hmm. they do those things, but but perhaps the high number of of cases that we see in ERs throughout the country, maybe they were too high. Maybe there was some positive mm-hmm. leveling that happened. But to be honest, that has impacted the bottom line of hospitals because they counted on that revenue. So mm-hmm. you take away the provider relief fund, you take away state supplements, you take away federal supplements, you take away volume, and now mm-hmm. hospitals have to recalibrate for what is our core responsibilities, I'm telling you, right. nothing nothing just causes me to ask the question, why more, that when I drive by a big health system and I see them building a patient tower, right? Rachel, you and I know that's not where growth is in healthcare. Well, it's just not where the industry is headed, and it's also not where the payers are headed. And we have to be mindful of all of those things, right? Because there's so much more of a focus on population health and preventative health care. Um, you know, what is sometimes referred to as well care yes. versus sick care. Absolutely. Um, that, you know, it seems questionable sometimes to see some of this, uh, some of this happening Absolutely. with these huge new and, and new hospitals being built in communities where, you know, there maybe already is a hospital and they're coming in to compete or, you know, a replacement hospital for an older facility you know, how those decisions are made and and what is built and what is created really has to be based on where the industry is going. I think the other challenge, though, too, is that now we have this experience with the pandemic where we couldn't find beds anywhere. Never. 
And so there's probably a bit of a fear, I would say, yes. of not investing in enough inpatient beds because God forbid we're in that situation again. There is. Right. So it's a it's a it's a weird balance to strike again because of the recent challenges we've had with the pandemic, but also because of how the industry is moving as a whole. And you take it absolutely spot on, Rachel, and take into consideration that the payers that's Medicaid, Medicare, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, whatever it is, right. put in there, whatever it is, whatever the product is in your state, um, they do not want to pay for the highest point of healthcare, which is the inpatient side of giving care. So what do they want to do? They want to keep the patients out of that cost center. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when right. hospitals are relying on those cost centers and those as revenue centers, you know, that's a problem. And right. so that is what's happened across the United States is that there has been a leveling off of patients in the ERs. ER is a front window to every hospital that provides mm-hmm. admission. The admission numbers are lower. So that means the volumes on the inpatient is lower. Uh, and then you've got the payers driving us to keep those patients out or to reduce certainly reduce the days that they're in here. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they don't meet the standard and criteria to be in here, then they want them kicked out ASAP. So all of those things have changed recently and the pandemic has only intensified it. And and, and when we look at it, we, we Hillsdale Hospital and the industry uh, as a whole has to have a business approach that also factors in the side that is so important, which is patient care. Because you can't mm-hmm. just say, well, we're going to cut that service. Well, what are the implications of cutting that service? Right. Is there less is there less care that's going to be given for cancer patients? Will mm-hmm. will patients have access to a quality health care? What if they do not have transportation? A lot of rural communities, you and I both know that transportation is a major concern or the lack thereof. So mm-hmm. these are all reasons why your strategy has to be so focused on all of these elements. And we call them pillars here. You know, we call mm-hmm. it quality growth service. We call it pillars. Finance. Finance, people. growth, people. They're all very yeah. important pillars. Um, each one somewhat codependent on the other. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have good people, then you aren't going to have good quality. If you don't have good quality, you're not going to get good reimbursement. So your finances are going to hurt. It really plays a relationship one with the other. And so mm-hmm. all of those things should be folded up into your strategic plan as well. So for all of those reasons in saving healthcare in an era of, you know, this pandemic and afterwards as we're trying to, to navigate our way through it, it is critically important that the vision is cast, the strategy is identified, and that the people are empowered to implement it. So let's talk about implementation a little bit. What are the elements or the pieces within your strategic plan? Obviously, you've got kind of the background piece of it, um, the why behind it, um, and then the why behind maybe some of the specific areas to focus on within your strategic plan. But, um, you know, without giving away the goat, so to speak, and, and sharing what all might be in our strategic plan and what might be coming up. Um, what are kind of the sections, maybe yeah. is a better way to put it, um, or chapters of your strategic plan um, that make sure that it's something that can be implemented? I think, like right. you said, there are a lot of plans that get created. They are, you know, in a binder on a shelf collecting dust. Um, so what are the elements that are in there so that implementation can happen, so that the plan itself is a, a tool that can be used, not just uh, some great ideas on paper? You know, it's a great question. And uh, I can 
address it without giving away any, you know, secrets for sure. You know, (laughs) I I think we call it, yeah, trade secrets. I think we call it strategic planning and let's say strategic planning and thinking. Uh, It's really looking at and and focusing on sustaining long-term growth. Uh, It's making sure that, you know, it's not just short-term solutions to your current emergency need or your or your you know staffing shortage just for today it's really looking long term and a lot of strategic plans don't focus on the long term growth but you know what we understand is that th- there's basically three elements to that Rachel and you know it should include every business unit of your organization and corporate function they have to be involved they have to everybody mm-hmm. has to be talking about what is the strategic goals what is the growth The second is really to look at aggressive growth targets. So you know that you're probably not going to grow your ERs across America. Why are we focused on that? That's not where the growth is going to happen. You know, we'll be lucky to get back to pre-pandemic numbers. So so Mm -hmm. where are the growth targets? Outpatient. Looking at those targets and identify maybe in your market, the growth is in home care, maybe in your market that you're listening today and your growth is in infusions, whatever that growth is, maybe you have a high incident number of cancer patients. So it's going to be infusions and oncology. Look at your growth targets. You know, where where are those trends? That has to be the second element of it. And then third, you know, look at a market focus uh, and, and, and having your focus on our, how do you build that market? And then what's so important is continuous adjustment because it's going to change. It's going to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. You know, there, right. there may be something new that pops up that you have to address, i.e., you know, COVID or those types of things that interrupt it. But truly, if it's long term focused, you know, that's what's very important. But, you know, Rachel, one of the things that I've taught each of our managers and leaders is the methodology for establishing those objectives. And you hear me talk about, you know, PDCA all the time, don't you? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's plan, it's do, it's check, it's act. And it, the planning phase is so important. And that's a phase that we're in right now, actually, for the next few months. It's planning. Right. And that planning is so important. Now, we, you know, your, your quote early on, you know, is that if you um, do not plan, you're going to fail. And right. that is so important for us to remember. Uh, I To the chagrin of me, I've heard someone say before, you know, well, we don't have a strategic plan per se. What do you mean you don't have a strategic plan? You know, how can you? Well, we have some primary management objectives and they kind of get, no, 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 no. You have to have a written strategic plan. You have to. It's not a law, but it should be um, a guiding principle (laughs) for you, you know, and it should be something that you would want to put in your organizational uh, bylaws and standards is that you should have a written strategic plan. But without planning, that's going to be a problem for you. And and so the methodology for establishing the, the what we call the, the PMOs, primary management objectives that come out of your plan uh, within your strategic plan, obviously, should consist of those things that are planning, doing, checking, and acting. And part of that is looking at your environment, doing an environmental scan, um, gathering the inputs those are so important. And when I talk about inputs, I'm talking about the community needs assessment. I'm talking about the surveys that you give your physicians mm-hmm. or your staff. That's the inputs. Right. Then, All that then, stuff you talked about in the beginning of yes. gathering that information to know what is the landscape yeah. before you start developing the plan. Absolutely. And hopefully, and Rachel, it. that those listening, those those inputs have already been gathered because that right. takes a lot of time. 
that takes months and months. So before you jump in your strategic plan, in the planning, you better make sure that those you know inputs you have, have all that been right, gathered, that background and yeah. data. Because during the the strategic plan, you're going to be reviewing those inputs. So you don't have time to gather them. You have to review them. You know, you conduct uh, the SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Everybody's heard of a SWOT analysis. Those are important. What are the strengths of our organization? What's the strength of our plan? You know, where are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities for growth? And then what are the threats? The threats are everything in healthcare. It's the payers. It's the loss of revenue. It's the government cutting sequestration, 2%. All of these Mm -hmm. threats, we can name probably more threats than we can opportunities at times in healthcare. Um, but reviewing those inputs are very important. And then you create the strategic metrics. You know, you define your strategies. And then at the end of it all, you're ready to conduct your final review. And that work that should be done is done at every committee level. Uh, and then it should be reported up to the leader who then reports it to the board of trustees, and then it gets for final approval. It's really that simple. But following the methodology is so important. You'll you'll develop the work plan. That work plan is going to encompass all of those inputs. It's going to have already been vetted through the process of the SWOT analysis or the PDCA. Um, and then you get to the approach of your strategic planning. And that's, to me, some of the funnest parts. So tell us a little bit about that. What is the what's the approach? Because someone might be thinking, well, haven't you already approached it? You've done all these other pieces already. So no. what do you mean by that? What's yeah. the approach and what yeah. what does that include? Yeah, it's it's the best part. The approach is getting the committee together uh, of each of your respective areas that you're going to try to target. So I'll give an example. You know, let's say that one of the aspects in your plan is around a marketing you know, increasing your market share, increasing, you know, it's going to have components of marketing and development and outreach. Um, You're going to get a committee together that are comprised of those people who are primarily working in that space, Mm -hmm. comprised of board members, maybe some frontline staff, you know, frontline staff are so important to this process, Rachel, because they give us perspective. They see a lot that other people see. Oh my goodness. We get a perspective from an armchair. As leaders, Mm -hmm. we do. I am so tired of hearing leaders saying they know they have the finger on the pulse of their organization, yet they don't round. They don't go to employee forums. They don't speak at their general orientations. No, you don't. You do not have a pulse on your organization. You have no clue because all the times you're not there, the employees are the ones seeing what's happening. They're the ones mm-hmm. that can provide value feedback. So we include in that committee work that's 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 done at the strategic planning process, that is so important, that approach, because it's going to incorporate their ideas, their views. They'll tell us a perspective we never even considered. So, you know, identifying where we're at requires you to have the staff at the table who are telling you what we're doing and what we're not doing, what they think we should be doing. And then we get to establish and marriage that with our mission, vision, and values. And then we establish where are we going. So the very first thing that happens in this process is what we call the environmental assessment. You know, you evaluate current and future uh, competitive um, opportunities, positions of the organization. Um, what is our advantages and disadvantages? But the first question you ask yourself in that process is, where are we now? Where are we? Uh, and then the second question is, where should we be going? And that requires you to look at your organizational direction. You have to look at your mission, your vision and values. The good news, Rachel, going into the strategic planning this time, we revisited 
reevaluated, reassessed, and in some cases renamed our mission, vision, and values. And you were instrumental in that because we, yeah, we, we had um, to. Right. We, we really didn't have the kind of mission, vision, values, and now purpose statement as well um, that could be one unique to Hillsdale Hospital. Um, the one we had before is very common for a lot of hospitals, almost down to like verbatim language. Um, but it needed to be specific to us. And then also the vision needed to be appropriate for the type of work that we are doing at Hillsdale Hospital. What do we really truly want to accomplish, right? The mission being, what do we get up out of bed in the morning to do every day? The vision, if we execute that mission, what's the result? The values being, what are the values that we live and work by in our process of executing the mission to achieve the vision? And then the purpose statement ultimately is, why are we here? Why are we here? And all of those together really have to be the foundation for everything. If your mission is not something that can get you out of bed in the morning or get your team members out of bed in the morning or that you can use to hold each other accountable or make decisions in a um, you know, problem-solving yep. process or conflict resolution or decision-making process, your mission's probably not quite right I agree, Rachel, for your organization. I agree, 100%. And, and through your leadership... I task you early on at uh, crafting and redesigning and reevaluating, and it was a lot of work. Uh, you hired a consultant. You worked individually with staff and leaders. A lot of surveys, a lot of work, a lot of time went into it, but I think we have one of the best products we've ever had in our history, uh, thanks to you. So, so hats off to you, but you had to do that. We had to do that as an organization before we could get here because right. you can't sit in these meetings and start working on your, your you know, you can't work on your mission, your vision, and your values. You got to focus on your strategic plan, and all of these other things need to be knocked out. They have to be out of the way. Right. They have to be defined and ready to go. They can't be outdated. They've got to be current. So that's a lot of work. When we start mm-hmm. thinking about strategic planning. Well, and they planning, also have to last, right? They like do. That's the other challenge I think that happens sometimes with the mission, vision, and values is they shouldn't change every decade. No. They shouldn't change every five years. They shouldn't really change Maybe every 30 years, which is, you know, saying a lot. But if your mission and your vision and your values are right and are spot on, there's no there shouldn't be a need to change them on a regular basis. It's a great point, because how many times have you and I went into organizations and it's just been pounded into us that every three years you got to change those statements. Every three years you got to get higher consultants to come in with task force and uh, not necessary. Mm -hmm. Not necessary. Or you just have new people come in who want it to be different because they have a different take, you know, idea of what the organization should be doing. And if their idea of what the organization should be doing is legitimate, but it doesn't align up with your mission, vision and values, they're not solid. So it could be um, you know, sometimes it could be because of a, a desire to change them too frequently, which means they weren't right to begin it's with. True. Um, or it could be that they just are not going to sustain your organization, yeah. but mm-hmm. they have to. If I can't look at you, JJ, and say, I hear what you're saying, but our mission says that we are to be a guardian of exceptional health services for our community, ensuring families have access to care when and where they want it, high quality care when and where they want it. And something that we're trying to do or focusing on does not help to further that mission, then we got to let it go. You're and if I can't right. do that with my with our mission or with our vision, how is this going to get us to 
our vision, which is to lead the nation in defining and advancing the role of rural health providers. Are we going to do that if we are not focusing on, you know, like we've kind of said before in here, getting our own house in order? We have to be innovating and we have to be, you know, really putting our money where our mouth is, I guess you have to say. You can't, um, you know, cast a vision for others if you are not doing it well yourself. So if we're talking about, hey, we should do this, oh, this would be a good idea. Okay, does it actually connect back to our mission and our vision? Now, we don't have to have that conversation very often no. because we're all pretty well clued into mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does really drive the work that we do every day, which, again, tells you that it's those are the right you know mission and vision. They fit well for our organization and our culture. Um, but if we need to have that conversation, the mission and vision should be solid, solid enough to be the foundation of those types of discussions. Well, and that's the premise. And and what's really amazing is that you just read all of ours, but you didn't read it. You spoke it. Oh, right. Yeah. You spoke it because it's ingrained. You know, when, Mm -hmm. when it's, you did not read those statements. It's because you know, everything that we do is driven back to those principles. And we have to ask ourselves, will this increase you know, our influence? Will this, you know, will this make us the leaders in the nation? Will this, you mm-hmm. know, will this project, and we have to constantly evaluate and ask ourselves that. And, you know, right. so, so in the planning approach, you know, it's where are we now? Where should we be going? Looking at your strategy, formalization, your goals, major initiatives, objectives. The third and last question you should ask in that approach is how do we get there? And that's the most important and pivotal piece because we can all identify things we need to change, all the things we need to do. Mm-hmm. But the question is, how do we get there? Because a lot of it involves capital and in, in purchasing things and hiring new people. But how do you get new people to a rural community when they don't want to come and everybody is, you know, in this great, you know, resignation phase and people are retiring? It's a lot of complications. It's the least favorite question and the one that's most challenging is, how do we get there? And that requires a lot of implementation planning. You know, we have to identify identify actions that are required. And then what happens, Rachel, is once you do that and you put it on paper and you formulate, you know, your plan, then what happens is you have to execute it and then you right. have to update it. Because right. execution, you know, you may execute that plan and you may have to change it because we've done that. You know, we've said we want to, you know, bring in X, Y, and Z services, but then we, we in the strategic planning process, identify the method in which we're going to do it. You know, we identify mm-hmm. the timeline, but then we get involved with it and we realize costs are 10 times. Right. So this isn't going to work. Not going to work, but it was a target. You evaluate it and then you move it to the side. So the mm-hmm. plan has to be a living document. When, right. when it sits on a shelf and does nothing, it's not a living document. It has to be ever flowing. And that means that sometimes you won't achieve something in there. It doesn't mean it's bad. It means that you right. did your homework, that you know what, you can't sustain it or you can't afford it. So for all of those reasons, that's why you should have a strategic plan and approach. But you know, Rachel, I'm going to turn the table a little bit on you. Because mm-hmm. not, so this is the hospital's plan. You know, I've just taken us through the journey, what that approach should be, talked about what the input should be, you know, what the outcome should be, the evaluation process. But at the same time, in tandem with my strategic plan uh, in the organizations, you have been developing a more specific and directed and narrow plan. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so um, it doesn't feel specific, directed, and narrow unless you compare it to the overall strategic (laughs) plan, but it is our strategic marketing plan. Um, And as much as I hate to say it, this is the first one that um, I'm actually able to do since I started here because, um, you know, I've been at Hillsdale Hospital now for three years, but more than two years of that has been the pandemic. And I remember right before the pandemic started, um, we had actually just finished our organizational strategic planning process. And I had just gotten maybe halfway through the beginning phases of my strategic marketing plan, which was to have a meeting with each of our service line leaders. Um, But then, of course, you know, COVID kind of threw everything out the window. Um, and and took me off track for that. So you know, for the last two years, we've I, I've been I would say more in a um, you know a fly by the seat of your pants, but still make it happen sort of um, way of working. And obviously, that's not ideal. So getting back to putting together a formalized strategic marketing plan as opposed to, you know, it's in my head and we're working through it all the time kind of thing is really important. Um, And it's one of those things that, especially in smaller organizations, often doesn't get done. But the benefit for me as the director of marketing and a hundred other things is that the plan is, yeah, right. The plan is designed to help prioritize the work from the beginning. So a strategic marketing plan really should be for the course of one year. Our strategic plan for the hospital is a three-year plan, but your marketing plan really can't go further out than a year because the industry changes too fast. Absolutely, Things change too quickly to do that. The max I would say is maybe 18 months, but that's not really going to serve you because I like to tie this to the fiscal year. Because ideally, once you have your strategic marketing plan, that should drive your budgeting process as well as your uh, staffing levels for marketing. So there are several key elements. Ultimately, if you really boil it down, it's goals, objectives, strategies, and tactics. But that is like at its most basic level. Right. Um, just like with the strategic plan, there's a lot of gathering of data in the beginning. Um, so I'm looking at, so basically what I do is I put together a spreadsheet of all of our service lines and our clinics who are the leaders of those. And over the course of about a month, I have a 30 to 30 minute to an hour sit down meeting with all of them to go through a three page, um, marketing supported entity profile and that it's thorough walks through. it is thorough folks it's very thorough <laughs> i've had people leave your office and come down to mine and they're sweating and they're exhausted <laughs> i mean it's work right it's work it, it is it is work. it is so i have uh, i have those and then from there once those are completed i also um as part of those i need to get some data from you know our fiscal team on some of the Um, revenue and expenses and margins, because without those, that kind of data, which I think is often missed in marketing, especially in healthcare, because our, the way our costs and our incomes and revenues work is very convoluted because of the whole situation with reimbursement as opposed to fee for service right then and there kind of situation. Um, so looking at those because, and, and I tell our service line leaders whenever we have this conversation is the reason I ask you for that, or the reason I'm going to ask our fiscal team, ask Sydney from our, our accounting manager for that, um, is because I need to make sure that I'm prioritizing, okay, if this service line has a high potential, but currently has a low margin, it might make sense for me to put a little more money into that to raise that up. Now, there also may be other scenarios where 
This may be the current margin and the chances of moving it are not good. So it's not a good place to prioritize our marketing spend. That really should go to the places where we have the most opportunity. And so you have to get all that information together to start. So then from there, I take all of those and I sit down with you and I say, okay, so with all of our service lines and our clinics, what are our priority areas? We have a one, a two or a three. Um, one being top priority, we absolutely must execute our marketing plan for these areas in the next year. Two being we really need to do it, but if we have to make some cuts to, to what we're able to accomplish, we can take some things out of here, but we can't take them out altogether. And then three being we would love to be able to market that service, but if it comes down to it and we are just trying to slash and burn to be able to have the budget and the staffing to do what we need to do, that's what ends up on the cutting room floor, uh, so to speak. Yeah. So then from there, we th- so there's that piece, but there's also that same process for the organization as a whole, which is kind of that more that that big picture um, for the hospital, not necessarily for each of the service lines, because there's a difference between your brand awareness marketing and the marketing for each of your service that lines. That is true. So that's really kind of the background and the foundation of developing a strategic marketing plan. So to no one's surprise, this episode is being split into two. (laughs) So you just finished listening to part one. Come back next week for part two. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. You can also find us now on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel's at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow our podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.